All right, race fans, you got Ryan Eagle and the Burt Lehman. Now, you're uh, episode 53, one to go show, one year in the books. Puka bowed out again. Puka, we love you, man. But I don't know, man. I, you know, I don't know. This was his idea, by the way, and he ain't here. We love you. I'm, I just got to I gotta jab you every once in a while. We miss you. So I, I'm excited. We had a great week of racing. You know, as little racing as there was, you know, in relation to the last month or a couple months, there was, some, there was still some good racing going on. Did you get a chance to watch any this week? Uh, yeah, I, I watched uh, – uh, the late model show down in Mississippi, uh, both nights. Uh, well, I watched the features. I didn't watch the heat races. And uh, I watched uh, some of the modified racing, uh, USRA racing that was taking place. So I, I missed that. Okay. <laughs> Actually, the, the modified racing was uh, more exciting than the late model racing this week. Yeah, it was a pretty big deal. Championship weekend for the USRA mods. I say we start there. Actually, you know, you ask and we deliver, right? We had fans on there saying, hey, talk about the traveling series for the mods a little bit more. So just for you fans, we're going to start their championship week. Thursday rained out. They had Monster, uh, I think it was Monster Mania, is that what it was called? And the first night, actually, they went Friday night, and, and that's the only one I didn't watch. I did not get, I was, I've been so swamped that I had a chance to watch this. I saw a couple highlights but it was a Grant Youngins Memorial over at the Lakeside Speedway, Kansas City, Kansas. Um, what did you see there? What you know, there there was some action at that one. Track had a little character from what I saw. Yeah, the the track was a little rough. Uh, it was funny because uh, uh, Terry they interviewed Terry Phillips afterwards, and uh, he wasn't real happy with the track. Uh, I've interviewed Terry Phillips a few times when he's raced up in Wisconsin, and he can be he can be a little gruff sometimes, and you know he's not afraid to. Uh, uh, voice his opinion but uh yeah uh ricky thornton jr uh won that race uh great ma late model driver who came <laughs> Mod guy. Mod guy. graduated <laughs> from the modified division but i was going to ask you should go back and watch the beginning of that race because you should see this the the start that he got to the race he was like a car length ahead of the guy next to him coming out of four i mean it, he jumped out to a lead uh, it was interesting because uh, uh, Jordan Grabowski was driving Terry Phillips' other car. So there's two 75s racing. And, you know, those two must be really good friends because whenever uh, uh, at the Clash at the Creek at 141 Speedway every year, Terry Phillips is driving one of Gr Grabowski's IMCA uh, modified. So they, for the different... They, for the different series, they must let each other drive each other's cars, so they must be pretty good friends. And, uh, you know, Jake O'Neill uh, started 18th, and he was in the top five by lap 11, so he was on the move. Um, the track was choppy, as we stated, uh, and that's evident by, uh, by the results. Uh, with 18 laps to go, there were only 10 cars left in the race. 25 cars started and it was a 42 lap race. So, uh, you know, a little over halfway and, and, uh, you know, more than half the field is gone. Only eight cars actually finished the race. And, uh, um, you know, Ricky Thornton Jr. Looked like he had it at hand. And then with uh, two laps to go, you could see a little bit of smoke coming out. And on the last lap, he slowed dramatically, uh, 
uh, Tyler Wolf, uh, who was in second place at the time, wasn't able to um, close in on the gap in one lap. So uh, Thornton kind of coasted across the line. And in his post-race interview, he said that that mo motor's just been laying around all year that they hadn't even raced it. So he didn't seem too concerned that he lost it. But, I mean, I think it was some ma major damage to the motor because there was smoke coming out of the headers so that's never i'm not an engine man but i know that's not good <laughs> well he didn't race the rest of the weekend and it kind of sounded like he may have not planned to sounded like he said he was going to do the halloween deal with the kids but who knows if he wouldn't have blown up the motor and he's a race car driver he probably would have been at the next one too and you know you said eight cars finished and what's crazy is if there would have been two three four more laps it would have been seven six five cars finished so track had some character in fact you know great to see 20 rt win that guy's a hell of a wheel man you talked about that start and it just it, that doesn't surprise me i haven't seen that yet it doesn't surprise me though because he's got such track presence right he i mean he's so in tune with the track and i mean it shows in his results but something i heard there was some excitement in uh the, the bmod feature too uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I didn't watch the BMOD feature initially until I talked to you. And um, yeah, there was a big accident in that race. I mean, actually, uh, I didn't I didn't write down the name, but whoever was leading the race, you know, took the lead early on, and he had a half a track lead on the rest of the field. I mean, he was in a totally different zip code. Then a caution came out, and within two laps, he had built himself up to another quarter lap lead in only like two laps but then another caution came out and um on the restart he continued to lead you know went that lap going into four it looked like he kind of jumped the cushion pushed high i don't know if something broke on his car but he kept drifting higher and higher hit the wall when he hit the wall the car actually jumped off on the ground went on its side and rolled onto his roof and then he got hit by three other cars that were going down the straightaway. Um, watching the video, the looked like the entire rear end was ripped out of the car. Uh, luckily, he was okay. You know, a lot of damage to the car, obviously, but cars can be replaced. So uh, yeah, I saw some highlights of that, Bert. Not, I mean, it was like the Talladega wreck, and and something broke in his right rear suspension because you see the car kind of laid over okay. on the right rear. My guess is something with the eliminator the shock shock mount or whatever it looked like maybe a i don't know if he's on swing arms or if, the, if it's on a clamp bracket but something happened to where shock spring something related there because it laid over and that thing just shoved all the way up the racetrack and i actually saw some pictures and it looked to me i, I believe this was the same wreck but it ripped the whole rear clip off that deal right and yeah. they changed the rules just a little while back where the seat belts the shoulder harnesses had to be mounted to the main cage. See, back in the day, not so long ago, the bar that came back from the main cage, the seatbelt mount used to be on those on that uh, bar in a lot of cars. It ripped that right off the main cage. So if it would have been mounted there, he could have got hurt really bad. So kudos to everybody involved with racing to change that rule to make it safer for everybody. I remember uh, Bert up in Hibbing, Kenny Wallace, actually drove a modified up there he's driving a car for john carpenter and it was mounted on that bar that broke off and he said and he didn't even get in a wreck 
But he said he's going around the track. He's like the seatbelts are getting tighter and then looser and then tighter. He's like, what is going on? And if he would have been in a bad wreck, he could have been hurt bad. So glad to see everybody was okay. But th that was that was probably the worst wreck of the weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And just to go back to the regular modifieds uh, of note, uh, Tyler Wolf, who finished second, uh, uh, he races an MB Custom car. So okay, okay. Awesome. No, Saturday night they had the Mod Spooktacular, right? Because it was Halloween night at the 81 Speedway, Park City, Kansas. I, I kind of watched through the Mod stuff, a uh, little bit of excitement in the heat race. In heat number one, Johnny Scott and Bishop had a epic battle for the lead. Johnny Scott actually just edged him out at the line by just a nose. I mean, that was a great race. And then in the in heat number seven, I mean, there were seven heats. There was a lot of modifieds there. Pretty cool deal. Sanders sneaks by Hughes at the line. So Rodney Sanders, who's going to be crowned this weekend, the USMPS champion, he's got that deal locked up. But Jason Hughes, he's a former USMPS champion as well. Not quite as fast as he's been, you know, a few years back, but he, it's still Jason Hughes. The guy's still good. So some yep. good racing there. And then in the mod feature, in late model guys, I tell you, Jimmy Owens brings out a yellow wreck. <laughs> Actually, he was a mod guy that graduated. So like you said, the late model came back. But uh, Johnny Scott had a he had like a two-second lead. He's gone. Yeah. And literally with two to go, they, they went back a lap. So it was three to go on the restart. Owens broke something, stopped on the track. And there you go. Jake O'Neill snuck by him right on that restart. It looked like. It looked like Scott just kind of jumped the cushion a little bit. I don't know. He just got high, and uh, Jake O'Neill drove by him on the bottom, drove away. So uh, pr pretty good racing, actually, overall there. Um, well, did you get a chance to watch that one? I watched the feature, and, yeah, I mean, when, uh, you know, I don't know if something broke on Owens or if he spun because, I mean, his car was actually sideways on the backstretch, so I'm not exactly sure what happened. Uh, but prior to that, uh the announcer said at least once, if not twice, that uh, Jake O'Neill found he's found something on the bottom because he's moving. And then the caution came out, and that's exactly the lane that he took. And Scott was always running on the high side. And, you know, I mean, a after the restart, it wasn't even close. O'Neill just pulled away. And actually, Scott fell, up, fell back to third. Yeah. And you'd think there must not have been anybody giving him signals there because they should have been able to maybe alert him that, hey, O'Neal is really good on the bottom right now. Block that on the restart. He just – it's just like he he was so fast before that, and after that restart, he just – I don't know what happened there. Lost his concentration or what. Now, here's what stuck out to me, though, on that race. So, obviously, we talked Jake O'Neal won that, but one guy that wasn't there, right, kind of kind of surprised me, and I get it. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Lucas Schock, he was there the night before, and he did not go. He did not go to 81 Speedway for the 10,000 to win race. Instead, he went down. He was doing some farming, picking cherries. He went down to the Monarch Motor Speedway in Wichita Falls, Texas, to race against 11 cars. Really? Right? I, and I get it. He's, he's, he was battling for the lead with Gallardo um, for the USRA points, but yeah, you know, here's the deal. I I don't know what I'm more frustrated about. I think I'm more frustrated about that if the USRA, the final weekend, they're going to have a championship weekend. Why do they even allow another USRA race to happen? Exactly. That way? You know, so, exactly. don't, you know, I look at that, I don't, do you hate, 
does a guy get pissed off at Lucas Shaw for cherry picking, or do you kind of like you can't really blame the guy? It's like I'm going to try to win this deal. I mean, I get it, but that brings me back to 2001, right? I'm racing for a national championship against a guy in a super stock, and this dude decided like he'd go everywhere that I wasn't, and it literally pisses me off to this day <laughs> that he wouldn't race against me. It's like, dude, seriously, let's race head on, and uh, I'm just gonna say. I think he was scared and he should have been because I would have given him a beat down and he would not have won the national championship because he couldn't beat me that year. And the fact is Lucas shot, he went cherry picking to get a championship. Now I was really going to hammer on him for that deal. I was, but then on Sunday he went on over to Humboldt where all the big boys were and he put that baby in victory lane. So it's like, all right, he went and cherry picked to win, but he won the next day anyway. So it is what it is. But you know, that's all on USRA. What did you say, Bert? I mean, I, in my mind, I saw that they were having a championship weekend. The points were coming down to that. And I'm like, man, that's a great idea. You know, you take a series, you take a, you know, it could even be with soda with their, with their whole season. IMCA. if they all had a championship weekend where they had three or four races back to back, that that's the only thing in town. And if you're racing for points, you're head to head with the guy you're racing against or the gal. That'd be awesome. And it was set up to be that way. But then all of a sudden they throw this other race and nothing against that track. I mean, I get it. They're trying to get more races in, whatever. But USRA should just put their foot down and say, championship weekend is championship weekend. Here's our here's our four shows. So they race head to head. Who knows? Maybe Lucas Shot wins that race too. Who knows? But we'll never find out because he went that way. And like he said in the Victory Lane interview the next night, I went that way to block. Like, I'm playing defense. I'm leading. I'm, I'm, I didn't, he didn't know where Gallardo was going to go. And Gallardo was probably thinking, man, I should have probably went that way also. But, you know, it is what it is. What's your thoughts on that, Bert? Well, I mean, I agree if you're going to have a championship weekend, there should be no other races um, scheduled against you. I mean – the, the point of having the championship weekend is to bring all your best drivers to race against each other. Um, as far as him, you know, going to Texas, I mean, I'm sure he mapped it out, you know, looked at the odds on winning a championship if he went to this race or this race. And, and I mean, you race for national championships. You do what you have to do to win the championship. I mean, I know that there's been, you know, Eastern Wisconsin is more IMCA country for mo like modified stock cars drivers. And we've had a few national champions come from our area. And, you know, it, when I've interviewed them, you know, they, they would go race. They would go places where they could get, you know, they knew they could get three races in three days or something like that, or, you know, if you know that there's going to be less competition at one race versus another, I mean, drivers actually map that stuff out and make their decisions based on that. Yeah. You know, and, and here's the deal. You're right on the money. And, and I thought about this long and hard. I, I really did. I'm like, and wait, am I, am I frustrated that he did that? Cause is that kind of a cheesy move? But I can't blame him. I, I really can't. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, the opportunity was there for both of them to do that. You know, you're racing, you race all season long, you travel all the miles, you did everything you could, all the sacrifices, the late nights in the shop to win the national championship. 
you're going to take every opportunity you can to put yourself in a position to win. It is what it is. And that's all on USRA. So any sanctioning body should really take this to note. Why not end whatever series it is, whatever, um, it could be a traveling series, it could be a, a sanctioning body, have a championship weekend where it's multiple shows, you know, where it's only one opportunity you know, and I don't, I don't care what the tracks are. It could alternate every year for all I care. I don't care, but there's nothing better than a championship run coming down to the final couple nights and they're going head to head. That's the, that's like my favorite thing. I don't, I don't care what sport it is. I don't care what it is. If you get me into a championship deal, I can watch it. I mean, I can even watch soccer. I mean, like literally if it's a championship deal, I can watch it. And for me as a point chaser, I just love that, you know, I love it coming down to the line. And it's it's too bad that that kind of happened, but that's on USRA, and uh, it, it is what it is. Now, Sunday, like I said, Lucas Schott did go back to Humboldt where all the big boys were, and he parked that baby in victory lane. You know, the heats really weren't exciting, but the front row, now, R.C. Whitwell, uh, that's a guy we talked about over the winter, or actually almost a year ago, down in Arizona. I think he won one of those races down in Arizona. We talked about it back in, like, January or whatever. He's a heck of a driver. Um, but the front row, and I, I tried to find out if the points were locked up after Shot had won the night before. I don't think they were. But the front row for that feature, Bert, Lucas shot and Gallardo on the front row and Gallardo slipped back to third and he, I think he kind of left rear tire down. Lucas shot wins that deal. He only won by one point, I believe. So, I mean, it was a close deal. I think he won by one point over Jake Gallardo. So congratulations, Minnesota guy, right? Lucas shot Chatfield, Minnesota. Pretty cool to see him winning that championship. Proud of him. I know what it takes to do all the sacrifice and hours that go into that. You know, that's not an easy task. There's some really good race car drivers in the tracks that he races at. There's some stout competition, you know, Mississippi Thunder, Deer Creek, stuff like that. So um, he got it done. But did you get a chance to watch any of the racing from over there at Humboldt? Um, I, I did watch some of that race. Uh, yeah, you're correct. Uh, he did have a flat tire, so that regulated him to the back. And, um, you know, you know, I – the racing wasn't uh, as eventful as uh, some of the other races that I watched that week over the last weekend. No, it wasn't. I, I saw somebody post on Facebook and, you know, they said, oh, this is what a track should look like. It was black top to bottom. And, and I'm like, man, when I was racing, I would have been like, <laughs> you're right on the money. But, you know, that black, dry, slow, I mean, the Beamont feature, it looked like they were going 20 miles an hour. I mean, they were going so slow. And it, that's just not exciting. But, you know, at the end of the day, a good race car driver, a champion race car driver is going to excel on any condition. And that's exactly what he did. He did what he had to do to get it done. And uh, let's move on. You know, I think we'll get past some odds here for this past weekend. You know, pretty good racing there, USRA. The season is done. Um, let's jump into the sprint cars. You know, my, my buddy Keith's going to be a little upset with me because we didn't start out with sprint cars this week. But... <laughs> There was some sprint car racing, not World of Outlaws. Did you get a chance to watch anything from the Tom Carlton Classic over at the Keller Auto Speedway in California? Did you get a chance to watch no, anything? No, I didn't get to see any of the sprint car racing. <laughs> yeah, I jumped on Flow Sports there. And, uh, you know, here's what's interesting. So last week they announced, right, Kyle Larson was, 
I think it was a week or two ago, where he's no longer going to have his World of Outlaw team, yeah. leaving Carson Macedo without a ride. Well, guess who won? Carson Macedo. Guess who got second? Kyle Larson. So it's like, huh, I just beat the old boss. That was a pretty cool deal. Um, Rico was there. Sweet was there. I mean, a bunch of the guys went out to that race. I think it was feel like it was 21 grand to win i think but i'm not positive and uh so it's pretty the racing actually wasn't all that spectacular but it, i thought it was pretty neat though that the the kid carson macedo just knocked down the the former boss and got that done and yeah well where they were right they're way the heck over there in california and now this week they're driving all the way across the whole country to go to north carolina to the last call so a little bit of traveling there yeah a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so before we get in the late models you know hey uh talk about one of our one of our sponsors here zuli performance speaking of minnesota minnesota guy winning the us area national champion this is a minnesota champion engine builder uh frank zuli zuli race engines you know i tell you that, that guy i talked to several drivers that have his stuff especially over in the minnesota western minnesota region and if you're if you're in the market right now, you're looking to kind of up your program. You're looking to make a little change. Not quite happy with your engine program from 2020. Looking to 2021, give Frank a call. Great engines, even better customer service. I talked to several people, including Justin Vogel, a former national champion. He says the the customer service with Frank second to none. You know, as a racer myself, okay. The people that I did business with, whether it was a chassis builder, engine builder, whoever, I wanted to have that relationship with them. I wanted them to care how I did. I wanted them to be like, how the weekend go? How did it run? How did, you know, I wanted that kind of relationship. And that's the kind of relationship you'll get when you get a hold of Zuli race engines and, uh, you know, keeping it local. You know, we don't need this crate stuff. We don't need that. Chevy's got enough. They got enough money. You know, get local, get an engine from him. You'll be glad you did. So let's move on, you know, uh, Forbert here. Forbert, let's talk a little late models. You said uh, you said you watched a little bit down there from Mississippi, from the Mag. You know what? Uh, what stuck out to you over at the Jambalaya 100? Well, uh, the first thing that came to mind was um, uh, Jason Fager made the trip down to Mississippi. I mean, I don't know how many miles or how many hours that is, but that's got to be a long haul from uh, Illinois down to uh, Mississippi. Uh, so. You know, he was a well-known driver down there. Tyler Herb Turbo uh, was down there. And uh, those two, uh, it was two nights of racing, and those two swapped the top spot each night. So uh, it was uh, uh, Jason Fager winning on Friday night. Turbo won, or finished second uh, on Friday night. Turbo won on Saturday night, and Fager finished second. Um, so, uh, you know, the racing was pretty good between those two for much of both races, but I mean, overall, uh, the racing wasn't uh, too spectacular. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't on the edge of your seat type of racing. Um, you, you know, what's interesting, Bert, I kind of watched that and I kind of looked a little further back in the field and I'm kind of wondering like if those two hadn't been there, would it have been, a, would it have been more, I mean, there was some more people yeah. in the mix. Because there were some battles kind of deeper in the field. And and really, in my mind, Turbo should have won both nights. He had the better car the first night. He just couldn't find a way to maybe get by Fager there. But you're right, Fager making the trip down was pretty cool. 
Yeah, he said that I watched his post-race interview and he said, I don't know if he said the track or the fans from that area were begging him on Facebook to come down to that race. So I don't know, maybe the moral of the story is blow up the Facebook message box for your local for your favorite drivers if you want to see them come to your track i mean chances are they won't but who knows they just might <laughs> you know there, there's some truth to that because drivers like to feel appreciated right they do you know so if, if a track reaches out to you i'm telling you it's, it's crazy how it works if a track reaches out to you and says man we'd love to have you here what do we got what, what can we do to get you here that goes a long ways it really does and then furthermore, when you get down there and the fans show their appreciation, you know, I, I remember traveling and, you know, I know Jason Fager, that guy's high, you know, he's won a lot of stuff. But the fact is, I remember going to different places and they made you feel so welcome, you know, so appreciated for making the trip down that it's like, I think I'm going to do that again next year. So, so hats off to whoever that was, whether it was a track, the fans or whoever, good job on that. We need more of that. And uh, it paid off this time, especially for Jason Fager, a first and a second. Good job there. So well, the other the other cool thing from his post race interview was the fact that uh, you know since he said that you know everybody they begged him to come down there, he said, "Well, stop by my trailer, have some beers. We have T-shirts and other other things for you to buy." <laughs> you know that that reminds me of Dave. I think it was Dave Flynn. It, it had to be because that boy likes to drink some beer. He, he's a he's a heck of a race car driver, super stock guy. And uh, I, I think it was him up in Superior. He had a sponsor. I, I, I don't want to say who it was because I don't remember exactly on, on what beer distributor. But I think they had a deal. Come on down, you know, and we'll, you come on down to the 29F car after the races, I'll give you a beer. And that was a cool deal because it got people down in the pits after the races, fan driver interaction. So not a bad idea. So that's a pretty cool deal. And uh, again, racing needs more of that for sure. Um, let's head over to Kentucky, Richmond, Kentucky, Bluegrass Nationals. It turned out to be a Jackie Boggs tribute race. Talk a little bit about that. Did you, uh, did you catch any of that action? I didn't see any of the action, but I saw uh, you know, a lot of posts on Facebook um, about uh, there were some drivers who had uh, – uh, special graphic schemes on their cars as a tribute to uh, Jackie Boggs. Um, it was fitting that Zach Dome, who actually won the race, uh, had a Jackie Boggs uh, uh, graphic scheme. Uh, Tyler Carpenter also had one. And I don't know who the third driver was. I saw a picture of the car, but I'm not sure who the driver was. So um, it's always, you know, I, I think we've talked about this on here before, you know, on the track, drivers are very competitive. They can get heated sometimes, uh, <clears throat> but it is a close knit family. And for, you know, drivers to pay tri tribute to a, a fallen driver, you know, that, that's something special. It, it sure is, you know, and, and my, our, our late model expert, Jeff actually saw it over the same picture that you did there. And he said, you know, it's pretty cool that Tyler Carpenter seems like he's kind of the king of the tribute cars this year, right? You know, the, <laughs> the one before that, his dad was in the police car and he was in yep. the arms, armed forces car. Yep. You know, so that's a pretty cool deal. And hats off Zach Dome getting that one done. And uh, no. Well, really not only did Dome win, but he also won the title for the for that series. Oh, now what was the series? What series was that? Do you remember? Um, I don't know if it's called the Bluegrass Nationals or... 
It's the Ultimate Heart of America series, Bluegrass, okay. Bluegrass Nationals. Okay. Um, well, he ran good over at the Dirt Track World Championship, too. What did he end up finishing there? Because he battled up front for quite a while. Yeah, I don't remember where he finished there. But another interesting thing about the, the Bluegrass Nationals was I was reading the results story, and it said that the heat races paid $500 to win. I did see that. That's, that's pretty cool. So it gives you some incentive. Not only is it a qualifying deal, but there's a little cash on the line, little incentive. So as on the promoter side of me, I'm going, oh, man, I don't want to pay out any more than I have to. <laughs> but on the driver's side, we all appreciate it. That extra money goes a long ways. It really does. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, whenever a racer has a chance to put a little extra cash in their pocket, it's a good thing for them. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. So I, I also saw Rick Eckert parked in Victory Lane up in Georgetown, Delaware, of all places. I don't know, like Delaware has a racetrack. I didn't even know Delaware had a racetrack. <laughs> the Mid-Atlantic Championship up there. So hats off to Pennsylvania's own uh, Rick Eckert for parking in Victory Lane there. Now, another thing we'll touch on, we'll touch on, you know, last week. They actually had a race in Charlotte. We got an upcoming race, right? They got the last call coming up. But they actually had the World Short Track Championship. And just for Puka, they had like 872 classes <laughs> or something like that. And uh, the only one that I watched, I kind of thumbed through the features. I kind of watched that a little bit. And the only one that stuck out to me was the modified feature, the high side tickler, Kyle Strickler in a Longhorn chassis. Steve Arpin, of course, involved with Longhorn, switching over into the mod realm there. But uh, Kyle Strickler getting it done, his third um, his third World Short Track Championship over there. And what stuck out to me, Bert, is the track was atrocious. It was horrible. I mean, literally, if you have Flow Sports, you can jump on Flow Sports. I, I believe it was Flow. Um, I don't think it was Dirt Vision. I can't remember. It was either Dirt Vision or Flow Sports. It might have been Dirt Vision, but it was so bad. I mean, like literally in the mod feature, it was so dusty that you couldn't even see the track. And I don't remember who the guy was, but there was a time where a car broke and he kind of stopped up on the high side and like everybody just about hit him. I don't think anybody could see him. It was so dusty. And I'm really, really hoping we'll knock on wood right here that the track is better than that for this weekend. Because it was a dust bowl, it was it was choppy, it just was not good. So in my mind, I'm thinking maybe they wanted to get one weekend of racing in before they brought the big boys in, maybe harden that surface up. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't know, but uh, I, I hope the track isn't like that uh, this coming weekend. Well, this coming week, actually, because the late models are there <laughs> <Right>. on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I guess, I guess we'll find out soon enough, but... Uh, the mod racing was good, though. I mean, there was several good, good modifies. It was a UMP show. So, I mean, he ran well. Um, another guy that uh, obviously the lethal, lethal chassis, Scrammy, he started on the front row. And uh, Scrammy, David Scrammy, seriously, dude. Like, you need to be really, really happy that you got people like Shane Sabraski, Johnny Broking, um, Dan Ebert in your car winning because he just doesn't get it done. Right, the cars are obviously <laughs> fast, but the guys that are running them up in Wasota Country are a heck of a lot faster than him. And uh, he just—I uh, don't know what his deal is. He—I don't know if he's maybe he's just testing stuff all the time. I'm not really sure, but I just don't see him in Victory Lane, which to me is kind of odd 
knowing how fast they are. Hoffman came from deep. I think he cracked up into the podium spot there. But, yeah, just kind of a weird deal. Scrammy just not real impressive. Now, that kind of, you know, that was kind of the, the weekend racing, so to speak. We got a big one coming up here. We got a big one. It was supposed to be the world finals. It still kind of is, right? But it's going to be the last call for the world of all laws. This, of course, is going to be on Dirt Vision. And uh, they're running Wednesday night, Thursday night. I don't know. Thursday, was it Wednesday night, Thursday night? It's Wednesday, night Thursday. Models. And Friday, Saturday, of course, yep. the sprint cars. And a couple storylines coming in. And then we'll kind of get into some picks. Now, really no storyline on the late models other than Kyle Larson and Donnie Schatz are going to be running all four nights. They're both running the late models and the sprint cars. The points is a done deal. B-Shep is, is going to be the champion. Um, I believe Ricky Weiss has it all but wrapped up for second. That's pretty much done. I think there's a 46-point gap there in the sprint cars between Sweet looking to go back-to-back. -back. He's got a slightly – he's got that lead over Schuhart, and Schuhart's got a slight lead, you know, not that much of a lead over Donnie Schatz, okay? So kind of coming in, a little bit of a storyline there, Bert. Donnie Schatz looking for win number 300 on his career. What would – I mean, that'd be a big way to finish. So – you know, what, what's kind of the, what, what's sticking out to you coming into this weekend? What's your thoughts on the last call for the World of Outlaws? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's too bad that COVID uh, has ruined another uh, race weekend What that was supposed to be spectacular. You know, normally they have three divisions there, uh, late models, sprint cars, and uh, the big blocks. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, in the late model division, there's, you know, the points are wrapped up, but, you know, I'm sure Brandon Shepard wants to put another victory or two uh, in his, He wants to cement his case for uh, driver of the year. And, uh, and as far as the sprint cars go, yeah, Brad Sweet has, yeah, last time I said this, the guy rolled, uh, the guy rolled over, but as, as long as nothing crazy happens, he should, win the championship but like i said i said that earlier this year about the late model division at shano and the guy leading the the, the points at that time rolled over <laughs> so so you never know what's going to happen i mean especially it, you know, with that show there's a lot of cars going to be there right. so a bad nights a bad nights i mean so right. you just never know because i think he's He's up by what, forty nine points, I think. Yeah, forty six, forty nine, just just under fifty. So he's got a pretty comfortable lead there, but it's one of those deals where if he can have a good night one, you know that'll he'll sleep better after night one if night one goes well. Let's put it that way. So yeah, I think, um, I think he's up by forty nine, and then shots is out by like sixty four or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think I think that sounds right. Now, what let's do let's do some picks for this one. I mean. Let's let's start with late models, okay? Bert, I'm gonna. I, I, Jeff already our late model expert, Jeff. He wanted to get in the game here. He says, you know what? I got some picks for this one. He <laughs> says Madden's in a in a fairly new ride again, right? He goes, night one is gonna go to Madden. Night two is gonna go to the high side tickler Kyle Strickler, who has been very impressive on um, the later part of the year here. So that's his pick for the late models. Our, our sprint car expert, Keith, said Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson. So that, that just, I think he's – Keith, I love you, man, but 
I, I think the man crush is getting a little bit too deep there, but he's got Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson. All right, Bert, who do you have to get her done in the late models at the last in the, in the late models, I am going to go with the two national champions. I for the I'm going to say Jimmy Owens the first night, and Brandon Shepard is going to seal the season with a, with another victory. All right. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna agree on Bishop. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm taking him for night two also. Night one, I'm gonna I'm Brandon Overton. He's my pick for night one. That he's had a heck of a year, probably one of the best years he's ever had. And I'm looking for him to park that baby in victory lane on night one. 57 lates pre-registered, no 20 RT, no Ricky Thornton Jr. I think he's going to run some mod stuff over there in uh, in Arizona. Are you surprised to see him not on the list? I don't believe he's on there, is he? I haven't looked at the list. But uh, if he's not on the list, that's a little surprising. Um, you know, I, I know he, he enjoys running his modified and he gets to keep all the money when he runs his modified. Um, but, you know, he's going to be running late models full-time next year. So you'd think that, um, you know, you would want to get as much seat time as you can. Yeah, and I could be wrong that I, I feel like I didn't see him on the list. That, that would be a shocker to me. Now, let's get into sprint cars, okay? So we'll start with Keith. That was a really tough one. Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, <laughs> Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson, um, and now Jeff, our late model expert, he gave uh, he weighed in also. He said Carson Macedo is going to go back to back. That's what he said. He's predicting Macedo to win, and he's also predicting Donnie Shots to get win number three hundred. And he went he went above and beyond in this one because he said not only is that going to happen, but <laughs> Sweet is going to lay an egg, and Donnie Shots is going to win his eleventh World of Outlaw title. That's pretty bold. I think that's why he's a late model expert, not a sprint car expert, but we'll find out here soon enough. Bert, who do you do? <laughs> uh, first night, I am going to take Hodden's Child, and the second night, I will take Sweet to seal the championship. All right. Well, I don't know which order it's going to be, but I'm going to go. I'm going to say the cream rises to the top, and I'm going to say that Sweet wins one, Shots wins one. Shots been, I tell you, they. They kind of sounds like they got a little bit of a change up, maybe going in some engine stuff. They there might be some stuff going on there. They they struggled for a little while, but the last month here he's been pretty darn good. And I just I would so like to see Donnie Shots get win number three hundred to end the season, right? Instead of having to try to worry about getting that done to begin the year, I would love to see him get that done. I call him the Minot Missile. Of course, he lives in Fargo. I was corrected on that, which is right, right? But in my mind, back when he was racing the, the Wasota stuff, I mean, he was the Minot Missile, I mean, in my mind. But uh, Donnie Schatz, uh, either way, he's a, a kind of a homer to us, you know, up in the Wasota region. And uh, Northern guy, I'd love to see him get – I really would love to see him get a win. Now, here's, a, here's an off-the-wall question for you. Who's going to perform better in the late model, Shots or Kyle Larson? Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson. So yep. I think Shots has more experience in the late yes, model. He does. I think, I, think the, I think Larson, the stars aligned, but he laid a huge egg at the Dirt, dirt Track World Championships. I mean, he was a mess there. Um, 
You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just play the the anti Larson in this one. You said Larson. I'm gonna say Shots outperforms him in the late model. That's gonna be. That's a little bit of an interesting storyline too. It'd be kind of fun to watch that. Um, Keith will be having a ball with a couple sprint car guys in the late <laughs> models there. So that'll that'll be pretty fun to see. Now that's not it for late model racing though. See, they go East Alabama Motor Speedway. I think it's a 46th running of the National 100 down in Phoenix City, Alabama. That's gonna be on flow. And uh, 15 grand to win. Madden won that deal last year. What's your thoughts on that? That's a Saturday Sunday deal. I'm pretty excited to see that too. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would imagine quite a few drivers will will make the the trek over there. Uh, you said it's five hours from Charlotte, um, and these are the types of races that uh, Brandon Overton goes to and usually wins. So. Uh, I guess you could say that's my prediction. <laughs> there, there, there it is. There it is. Well, I know one guy that's not going to be there. Actually, two. We'll get to one in a second here. But one guy that's not going to be there is Brandon Shepard. See, Brandon Shepard, I, I figured in my mind it's five hours away. He'll probably go run that one too. But there's some USNPS uh, modified racing going on. The Summit Southern Nationals USNPS Championship Weekend. Now, now, I really hope that there's not USMPS shows scattered elsewhere, right? Hope they don't do that. <laughs> but uh, basically, it comes, that's at the RPM Speedway, Crandall, Texas. Rodney Sanders has it locked up again for the USMPS National Championship. It's going to be on Race and Dirt. And I saw today on Race and Dirt on Facebook, they posted Brandon Shepard's going to have the B5 in the house. So he uh, kind of liking that modified, I think. Yeah, he, he's got to do a little better in it than he did last weekend. Uh, I'm not sure what happened the first night last weekend, but uh, um, he finished last in his heat, I do believe. He must have had some sort of issues. Um, yeah, I'm sure he must have DNF'd or something. I'm not sure. I, I heard his car wouldn't turn, but he, he did pretty well Sunday, though. He, he broke in the heat and then come from deep in the feature. I think he was just outside the top five. Okay. So, I mean – when I was watching those races, I was kind of keeping an eye on him, and I will have to admit, and you may not like this, but he's much more fun to watch in a late model than a modified. <laughs> Give him a few more laps in a modified, and we'll see how that works, right? We'll see how that works. I mean, the kid can flat out drive a race car, let's just put it that way, but but I, I it's painful to say this, but I do agree. <laughs> right. I do agree. He he is so fun to watch in that late model. He can put that car anywhere on the track. Yep. But, I, but I truly believe that if you're that good in one class, you'll be that good in another oh, class. Yeah. You know, he just, it'll be interesting to see how he does this weekend after one full weekend in that car. And it's the same car because USRA, USMTS, same deal, same rules. So it's going to be really fun to see how that one weekend rolled into this weekend. And I'm going to predict that he maybe parks that baby in victory lane one night. Well, and, you know, I, I should qualify my, what I said before too, is, I mean, late models have bigger tires, bigger engines. So they could, he can't do the moves in the modified that he does in the late model. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so but, hey, yeah, that, I mean, that brings us, Bert, that brings us to the last lap. That brings us to the last lap. We'll start out with you. A few schedules came out, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll start over in eastern Wisconsin. And uh, the 141 Speedway, they put their schedule out. What stuck out to you over there in eastern Wisconsin? 
Well, when whenever 141 schedule comes out, you know, me being a late model fan, I always look to see if there's any late model races on the schedule. And look, scanning the schedule, I didn't see any late model races on it. Um, normally, when they would have late models would be the practice night leading up into the Clash at the Creek, which is a 10,000 to win uh, I'm Say Modified show. Um, and then also at their two-day year-end special, they would have late models. And those were always sanctioned by Dirt Kings the last few years. Um, they were on the 2020 schedule, uh, but they were canceled. Uh, COVID was blamed for the cancellations. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know. I mean, the races still ran, but just not with late models there. And I see that uh, looking at the 2021 schedule, on those practice on the practice night leading into the clash at the creek uh in, instead of late models they have a thousand to win street stock show um so you know i i'm sure payout uh money uh had an influence i mean because obviously a payout for late models is going to be more than the payout for street stocks but uh you know so that's unfortunate but i mean their staple races are on the schedule um the Clash at the Creek is June 16th, 17th. Uh, their King of the Creek, which is 5,000 to win for IMCA stock cars, is uh, July 21st through the 22nd. And then the Captain of the Creek is a 5,000 to win sport mod show, and that's August 18th and 19th. So they still have their big, their big specials for the other divisions, but uh, they just must not feel that late models draw enough fans to the track. So... Um, so that's unfortunate from a late model standpoint, but uh, I mean, it should be, they still have all their other big schedules, so it should still be a, a good year for them. And then uh, Autogamy Speedway, which is located in Seymour, Wisconsin, they released their schedule also, and they <clears throat> they do have uh, three late models. Um, late models will be at the track three different times, uh, May 28th, July 2nd, and then September 18th at the Fall Brawl. Um, no mention on sanctioning. I know Dirt Kings hasn't released their schedule yet, so I, I don't know if these are, these are going to be Dirt King races or just uh, unsanctioned by the track. And then the other uh, thing of interest is the World of Outlaw Late Models will be returning to Autogamy Speedway in 2021. Uh, but rather than in early July, they will be there on August 3rd, which will be the race right before all the drivers head to the USA Nationals. Now, what's interesting about that is for nine years, that race was always at Shano Speedway. And this past year, or this year, 2020, uh, they held that race at Beaver Dam Raceway in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, which is more southern Wisconsin because they're coming up from Fairbury. And my understanding was they wanted a race closer, more in line for a more direct line from Fairbury to Cedar Lake rather than having to drive up into central Wisconsin. Uh, but apparently that didn't work out so well in 2020 because Seymour is only like 30 minutes away from Shano. So you're, you're not, you know, the, the driving isn't much different than what it was for nine years prior to this year. <laughs> You know, you mentioned that uh, the Dirt King's not at uh, 141, but maybe, maybe that's the. Who knows when Dirt King? Yeah, I don't. I don't know the reasoning behind it. 
maybe maybe they will be on there. Maybe they just haven't quite worked that out yet. Let's, let's cross yeah, our exactly. fingers that maybe that'll happen. And I boy, that series it's, it seems like a good series. So it really me, I'd really like to see Shano with the race. I'd like to see yeah, 141. Yeah. I'd really like to see them take hold of that deal and make it work. I don't know all the logistics to it, the finances. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. But, you know, it's nice to see that series. It's good for the drivers in that area. So it'd be nice to see them all kind of make that happen. Now, you mentioned Cedar Lake, Bert. Um, their schedule came out, too. Um, and a couple of interesting things, specifically on the late model realm of things. Uh, what stuck out to you there? Um, uh, well, actually, the most interesting thing that I noticed was uh, the Thursday night race prior to the USA Nationals will not be a World of Outlaw show. It's going to be a Mars Series show. And I actually like that idea because I think you could draw some more regional drivers up to race in the Mars series. And since they're already up in the area, you know, you would hope that they would stay, um, stay and race the USA nationals. And actually that's how this was, you know, several years ago when they had the, now I can't, the Corn Belt series out of Iowa. Class. Yeah. Corn Belt class. Yeah. Or, yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, they would get those Iowa drivers up here and then they would just stay the entire weekend. So, you know, hopefully this will pull a lot of the Illinois drivers and maybe even more of the southern Wisconsin drivers, you know, to Cedar Lake for the for to race in the Mars series race. Yeah, I think that that's great. You know, I'm, I'm excited for that. You know, Tony Izzo, he bought that Tony Izzo Jr. I should say bought that series last year. And it just didn't work. I mean, he's still on a decent series, but 2020 with the COVID crap kind of messed him yeah, up. But it looks like he's looking to expand that series. He's very aggressive, big late model guy. So pretty excited to see something different, right? Something different. Bringing that Mars series up there to Cedar Lake. Excited. I know Puka, um, sorry, man, but our Jeff mentioned Puka is not going to like the beginning of the year, end of the year special, 10 <laughs> classes of cars. It's like, oh, man. It looks like they're doing the same format. They're having the legendary opener. I think they're doing the same thing they did at the end of the year where they have the, the qualifying race, qualifying race, and then the main event deal is kind of what it sounds like. What aggressive schedule. They got the month of money again. And uh, I kind of I jumped the gun on that deal because I looked at the dates for the super stock race, and I'm like, what the heck are they doing? That's the weekend of the Superstock Series. So I, I kind of got all over Chris's case, and turns out that they moved the Superstock Series back a week. So sorry, Chris, but uh, but exciting <laughs> to see, you know, that month of money. That was good for the drivers in, in four classes. Lots of stuff going down there at the Cedar Lake Speedway, of course, in 2020. Now, Bert, another thing that stuck out to me, Granite City Speedway, James Pantina, purchased the Granite City Speedway, and he's going to be promoting it starting in 2021. Dude, that guy is flat out aggressive. Like, like the crazy stuff that he's got going on there next year makes my head literally spin around in circles, and it doesn't surprise me. This guy here started with just a, a one wrecker, and now I think he's like the third biggest wrecker company. Collins Brothers Towing, they sponsor you know, I think they sponsored Ricky Weiss, actually, and I know that they sponsored Dan Ebert, but that guy is flat out a go-getter, built a huge monster of a, of a business in, in the record company, and when he does something, that guy is balls for the walls, all in, and uh, it sounds like they got 
I mean, they're going to have a ton of stuff going on. And in my mind, you know, maybe it's a conservative side of me going, this guy is out of his mind. Like he's going to like seriously with all the stuff he has going on, but uh, pretty excited to see what happens down there at the Granite City Speedway. Racing needs a guy that is willing to put his neck on the line and make some stuff happen. I, I really hope that everything works together with all the area tracks. But uh, let's just say they got some big plans down there in uh, right right by St. Cloud, Minnesota. Now, we talked about B-Shep not going to that race Saturday and Sunday um, to the National 100. Another guy that's not going to the National 100 is going to be Ricky Weiss. He's going to be over in North Carolina. But did you see what he has going on over the next couple weeks here? Yeah, you sent me something. He's racing a, he's going to race a crate late model, your favorite division. <laughs> Say it ain't so, man. Say it ain't so. Like, Puka's going to love this, right? He's going to be in his height of glory. But uh, so he, I think, I feel like he stayed at Bulls Gap or something because he stayed in Tennessee, and I think he's pretty tight with the promoter down there. And they're actually running, I believe, a $2,500 to win deal this weekend. Uh, Saturday, Sunday type deal at Bulls Gap. But next weekend is the Crate Late Model National Championship event at Bulls Gap, 20 grand to win. So I'm assuming this weekend here, he's just going to kind of get that car to where it rotates good with that lesser power, and he's going to go after that 20 grand the following week could be my guess. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, if he's going to – if there's a $20,000 – to win race i would imagine he's going to race in that if he's going to race in these other races first but he, like you said he wants to figure out the car a little bit rather than just uh okay let's just do this without any practice or anything it'll be interesting to see i mean you're talking a hot bit of racing kind of a location down there pretty good location for late model racers It'll be interesting to see that following week how many of the big late model guys maybe jump into a crate car to run that deal for twenty grand to win. I guess we'll find yeah, I mean, out about a week from now. I mean, we saw some jump into one for the what was it, twenty five grand to win the other week? Uh, yeah. Pearson, Bronson. So yeah, there could be more. Who knows? Bronson ran a crate this last weekend too. He was actually over in okay. Charlotte. I think he got third. He ran okay, but he wasn't the guy. Might maybe even got second. I believe he was a podium finish, but he ran that. So he very well could be a guy that comes up because he's been running the crate stuff a little bit. And I, I'm excited. I guess this weekend, the thing I'm most excited about is Charlotte. I think, you know, the last call, we got we got some sprint car racing. We got some uh, World of Outlaw late model racing. If, if I had to pick what I'm most excited about, it's that. There is some good mod racing going to be happening with the USMPS stuff, but I think I'm probably more excited about Charlotte than I am about everything else. How about you? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, the races at Charlotte, you know, that's, those are going to be the races to watch this week. Nothing, nothing against the USMTS series. Uh, but, you know, when you, the fact that, you know, you should have drivers from both Lucas and World of Outlaws there, you know, just makes those races even more special. Yeah, it's going to be good. I, I think it'll be some quality racing there. And I think we'll end with this. Uh, I, I didn't get to watch any football this last weekend. Did you, I mean, anything <laughs> stick out to you there? I'm just, just curious. Uh, yeah. It, it, 
no words to say. <laughs> no. You know, you know what sucks, the, Bert? The, the Packers did not play well, but they're still what are they only have two losses, and the Vikings have only two wins. So they are we'll, fair we'll, enough. We'll you know, leave it at that. <laughs> you know what's crazy is is that you know with all the craziness and drama and all the political crap, I just ain't watched as much football as I normally do this year. And with no, I, the Vikings sucking as bad as they've been sucking, right? They were one and five going in. I'm like, I am not watching this bloodbath. I'm just not. And literally, I went and did a couple meetings, and I come back, and I'm like, 28-14 Vikings. I'm like, what the hell happened? And so then I started watching the game, and at the end of the game, they give up a touchdown. They give up a two-point conversion. They don't convert. They give the ball back to Rodgers. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. They're going to give this one away too? And uh, they, they luckily, they, there was a beautiful uh, strip sack, you know, fumble there by the Vikings to seal the deal. But uh, they almost gave that one away too. So, But yeah, finally, well, it feels like forever, Bert, since my Vikings have beat your Packers. It feels like it's been a very long time. The, the thing that was frustrating was you knew what the Vikings were going to do every play, and they couldn't stop it. <laughs> this is a – you know, Dalvin Cook, I mean, they, he was healthy week one this year, but they, they – I don't know what – no excuses. They just got way outplayed by the Packers week one. But last year, Cook didn't play, I don't believe, either game. Um, so You may be right on that. Yeah, yeah, so there is that. But Dalvin Cook exposed some weaknesses in the Packers. It, it, I'm glad he's a Viking, but no matter how good that game went, it's still not nerd track racing. That's oh, yeah. That's a hell of a lot better all day long. I mean, so, I mean I, I'm I'm with you. You know, I'm not watching as much football as I have in previous years. I mean, I watch the Packers every week, and if I'm not doing anything, I'll turn the game on, but I don't I don't go out of my way to, to watch NFL football this year. Yeah, I Just, think there's a lot of race fans <laughs> that are agreeing with you right now. So, Bert, it's been a pleasure, and, uh, you know, great week of racing, great week of racing coming up here. We're going to have a lot to talk about next week. Yep. You know, there's, there's still – there's still – I mean, there really isn't an off season anymore. There just isn't. There's racing going on all the time, but that's it for episode number 53, the first show of a new year of shows. Um, I'm Ryan Aho. That's Bert Lehman. And as Puka says all the time, go out there and be your dream. We're the one to go show.